You can now get two free audiobook downloads and a 30-day free trial at audible.pagosity.tv. Your choice from the world's largest selection of over 180,000 digital audiobooks and spoken word content for your iOS or Android device, Kindle, or MP3 player. Go to audible.pagosity.tv now. Welcome to the Bogosity Podcast for the week of November 12, 2017. The podcast that saw Lon Chaney Jr. walking with the Queen. This is your host, Shane Killian, and returning this week is Ibrahim Zaloom. Welcome back, Ibrahim. Welcome. Or good morning in my case, since it's Texas. Yeah, it sounds nice and active where you are. Oh yeah, that's Texas most days. Let's hypothecate the news of the bogus. And starting with something in Texas, another mass shooting, followed, of course, by another round of psychopathic leftists peeing all over the dead to push for gun control. Except, they seem to have shut up about this one fairly quickly. We'll get to the reasons why. But first, what happened was a shooter went into First Baptist Church of Sutherland Springs, Texas, and opened fire, killing 26 people. Of course, our thoughts and sympathy go out to the survivors and loved ones of the dead. My condolences. So, first of all, as we keep seeing, this church was a gun-free zone. No one inside had a gun, except the criminal, who wasn't at all deterred by the restriction. What a surprise. Second, this is someone who should have been stopped by a background check, but wasn't. The gunman, Devin Kelly, was convicted of domestic assault of his wife and her toddler, whose skull he had cracked. Now, this happened when he was in the Air Force, and he was convicted by a court-martial, That should have prevented him from legally purchasing the four guns he'd acquired, including the one used in the killing, but something went wrong with the bureaucracy and the conviction was never entered into his record. That that actually reminds me of a thing that I noticed in the Arab world where they have much greater bureaucracy. The funny thing is, the greater the bureaucracy, the more things slip through the cracks. And that's why instead of a blanket restriction just worrying about pulling up a criminal background check, It should be a function of sentencing. If a court had given him specific restrictions in addition to his sentencing, then not only would you have this due process thing I seem to be really fond of, but you'd also have it where you can make sure it was entered into the database and it would have shown up in the check. Due process? But Shane, the United States has been in the Middle East so long they've started adopting the methods of government from there. Who needs due process? Well, and something that makes this different from other mass shootings, this wasn't random. Apparently, the target was his mother-in-law who attended the church. Uh, Also, the police were saying around here, uh, I don't know how accurate this is, but the police were saying that he was a um, very liberal guy who had something against the local community. So he was probably thinking of hitting two birds with one stone. Maybe. So who knows? Uh more, as more news will come from the te- from the Texas police, we'll, we'll have a better idea. But the real thing that seems to have caused the media to shut up about it is the fact that he was stopped by an armed passerby. And by stopped, you mean fatally wounded? Uh, well, I think so. Uh, although no one in the church could have a gun, that wasn't true of people outside. An armed neighbor engaged the gunman, causing him to flee. The neighbor then got into the car of a nearby man, and they chased him down until Kelly lost control and went into a ditch. The neighbor kept his rifle fixed on Kelly until the police got there seven minutes later, and Kelly was then found dead in his vehicle of a gunshot wound. But I can't figure out... I'm getting conflicting reports on this. I don't know if it was that he was wounded in the altercation and died of that, or if it was self-inflicted. The thing I heard was that uh, 
the guy who uh, went out and shot him, shot him on the side where he wasn't protected by body armor. And uh, he may have bled out from that. I don't know. E- even this first link that I'm giving has two contradictory explanations, and they don't seem to realize it. Yeah, yeah. the other one is that he may have killed himself. Well, he, he might have just realized that he couldn't get away, have decided just to kill himself in the car, and that's when he ran into the ditch, because cars don't seem to work too well with dead guys behind the wheel. Mm-hmm. It could, it could also be that he simply lost consciousness from uh, shock and blood loss, so, you know, from the wound. And that's when he lost control. In this case, it's a clear example of how a guy with a gun can actually stop a mass shooting. So, I mean, there were more people than 50 in that church. Yeah, I I mean, there could have been 50 or 80 people killed, you know, if he had just kept going. And this is something else I'm getting conflicting reports on. Some of them are suggesting that he was leaving the church anyway. I don't know why he would do that. That doesn't make a lot of sense, but... Well, either way, he's catching them when they're unarmed, so that explains why he was able to kill so many so quickly. And he had military training. But, of course, Senator Dianne Feinstein couldn't resist opening her psychopathic mouth, quote, This latest mass shooting comes just one month after the country's deadliest mass shooting, and we're still trying to garner support for even the most basic steps to reduce gun violence. So she's just going to ignore over 20,000 gun laws throughout the U.S. and the fact that this was a gun-free zone and that he was stopped by an armed civilian. And that her restrictions, if implemented, uh, have already been done in Mexico. And check out how well that's worked over there. Yeah. But we'll have more about her later on in the podcast. Senator Chris Murphy was equally undeterred, quote, Let's be clear. Nobody stopped this shooting. 26 people, including little kids, are dead in one of our country's mass killings. But like we said, without this armed neighbor, who knows how much worse it might have been. And I mean, people like him are all ready to credit the government for their BS stimulus, saying, well, at least the economy didn't get any worse. Okay, you can't take that same line of thought and apply it to this? Yeah, I don't get this. Even Barack Obama couldn't keep his mouth shut. Quote, May God also grant all of us the wisdom to ask what concrete steps we can take to reduce the violence and weaponry in our midst. Well, better psychiatric help might be a good start. Well, I don't know, because I keep going back to the figures that show that mentally ill people are no more likely to commit acts of violence, but they are ten times as likely to be victims of violence. True, but... I mean, as much as we'd like to think this is just someone who just kind of, you know, went off, went crazy, and killed a bunch of people, the thing is, that doesn't really seem to be the case. No, this guy was clearly perturbed. I mean, I wouldn't call him insane or anything, but... The guy clearly needed help, or at least a good jail time, because, I mean, the guy cracked his uh, child's skull. Well, yeah, he was a violent individual, there's no doubt about that. Yeah, and the guy should have either been in jail, or he should have been in a halfway house or something, you know. Yeah. I don't know, this this, this is really a violence problem, it's not a gun problem, either way. And, of course, they're making a big deal about the fact that the shooter used an AR-15. First problem... It wasn't an AR-15, which is made by Colt, but an AR-556, which is a Ruger, and they're different barrel lengths, different calibers, different muzzle velocity, and take different cartridges. But other than that... It's it's what they call, quote-unquote, an assault weapon. Yeah, it's a black gun that looks scary, so that we're just going to call it an AR-15 because we don't know any better. Pretty much. 
that, again, reminds me of how news works back home. I, I keep pointing this out. The news back home seizes on an emergency, says that such and such happened, and even though the details aren't quite true, they still use it anyways to push some sort of oppressive law. Yeah, and that's probably something else that makes it easy for terrorists to recruit people. Or, you know, certain people around here to say that the government is out to kill us all, but which actually might be true. Well, <laughs> sometimes you gotta wonder. Depending on the government, they might be true. But they don't seem to want to mention that the armed civilian who stopped him apparently was using an AR-15. Oh, you don't want facts to get in the way of a good story. <laughs> yeah, but again, this is just... This, I just have to say how infuriating and disgusting I find the news media's treatment of these tragedies. Well, for a guy who's lived a few years in Texas, it's doubly disturbing. Say, if you're tired of the promos in this podcast, well, the patrons got it early and with no ads or promos. Just go to patreon.bogosity.tv and donate at any level. Do you have children or nieces or nephews? Are you homeschooling or just want to counter some of the socialist indoctrination most children get in school? If so, go to bogosity.tv slash Tuttletwins, and you'll be taken to a website where you can get some great books for elementary-aged children. The Tuttle Twins books are books about liberty and free market economics that include children's versions of Bastiat's The Law, Leonard Reed's I, Pencil, and Hayek's The Road to Serfdom, as well as books about the Federal Reserve and how regulations protect business cronies. They'll learn about the harm caused by eminent domain, or regulations passed in the name of safety, and fundamental concepts of liberty. And as you can see from the sample pages on the website, they're all easy to read and nicely illustrated. They're just $9.99 a piece, or get a special discount as well as free bonuses when you purchase all five. You can even buy in bulk to donate to schools and local libraries. So get the Tuttle Twins books at bogosity.tv slash Tuttle Twins. As the joke going around in Venezuela goes, Venezuela is like the Garden of Eden. People have nothing to wear, little to eat, and are told they're in paradise. We've been covering over the last few years how Venezuela got in the situation it's in now, and one big culprit is the hyperinflation caused when government starts running out of other people's money. That reminds me of Zimbabwe. Oh yeah, you're they didn't they make like a one trillion dollar note or something in Zimbabwe? Yep, it it actually reminds me of a funny story from the guy who funded our uh, geology college at Colorado State University. He told his students that he would give uh, whoever got the answer right a hundred dollars. He just didn't tell them it was Zimbabwe dollars. <laughs> yeah, that that's that's what about a hundredth of a penny or something. Pretty much. At that time, it was exactly one penny. Ah. Uh, <laughs> yeah, Venezuela is going that way. Well, this note is a 100,000 Bolivar note, and it's worth about $2.42 on the black market. That's, that's Weimar levels of inflation right there. Oh, yeah, yeah. Of course, Maduro and his government are blaming everyone but themselves. This time, amazingly, it's all Colombia's fault because of the black market, which is really doing nothing more than telling the world what the real value is, which is 41,290 Bolivar to the dollar as of this story. Can we get 50,000? 50, 50,000 to the dollar? 50,000? <laughs> <laughs> On the official Venezuelan government exchange market, it's still artificially fixed at 10 Bolivar to the dollar. This isn't the only example of a socialist country that's going through hyperinflation right now. Right now, Egypt's having a death spiral with its currency, though it's not quite as extreme. Officially, there are, last I heard, 20 uh, Egyptian pounds to the dollar. 
Uh, though black market figures suggest it may actually be much lower. Time will tell. <laughs> but Maduro bleated, quote, We have been updating the monetary cone while facing this attack on the currency. Uh, why can't they just back their currency with something proper and, you know, stop? Because then they wouldn't be able to uh, actually afford anything. Well, they may have to call broke anyways. I mean... They're, n they're in a no-win situation right now. The IMF is predicting inflation in Venezuela may exceed 2,300% next year as their government continues to hoard the wealth from oil exports and continue to go into debt to make loan payments, basically paying off your credit card with another credit card. Yeah, that, that, that strategy helped my dad so much recently. <laughs> <laughs> but until Maduro and his thugs are thrown out of office, sadly, I think we can expect the situation in Venezuela to just get worse. Countries are ultimately a lot like households. You gotta keep a budgeted account and, and try to stay positive. If, if you go just spending willy-nilly, you're just gonna screw yourself over in the long run. I still like that one thing John Stossel did when he removed like five zeros from the government budget figures and had it up as a household budget and then asked people how they were doing and they're like, oh, those people are stupid. <laughs> you know, they, they can't keep going like this. <laughs> now, in the United States, the only reason we're not having too much trouble is because we have the international currency, reserve currency, but what if that comes to an end one day? Yeah, well, and also they've got it fixed up so that all the money in the bank is in this nice fixed little holding pattern where they can get money from the Fed at less than 1% and then buy bonds at 3% and it just keeps going around and around. You don't actually get the inflation until it gets into the general economy and people start using it to buy goods and services. Well, well, well it's still there spinning. Could they just burn it? <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, the, the point is at some point it's going to get away. Yeah. It's a matter of when, not if. Yeah. Well, I've noticed the prices have been going up anyway, so. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, they've been trying to make it appear as low as possible. But, I mean, you're going to get this point where foreign banks and investors are going to lose confidence in the dollar. And when they do, it's gold they go to. So they'll start using their dollars to buy gold, which will put those dollars into circulation, which will increase the inflation, cause them to lose more confidence, buy more gold, put more dollars into circulation, and then it'll be this feedback effect. And that's when you get the hyperinflation. And you know who loses? The future. Yep. If you're on the Wi-Fi in a coffee shop or hotel, anyone on that network can get your traffic. Do you really trust all of those strangers? For that matter, do you really trust your ISP? A VPN can protect you from prying eyes, disguise your location, and even foil government sensors. It's essential in this day and age. So go to vpn.bogosity.tv and you'll be taken to BoxPN. Starting at just $2.99 a month, you can get unlimited high-speed connections to VPN servers all over the world. And they don't log connections, so your privacy is assured. Traveling abroad, just VPN home, and don't worry about what those other governments are doing. Back at home, stop your ISP from traffic shaping and messing with the quality internet access you're paying good money for. You can connect from multiple machines at once, including your smartphone or tablet, and it supports all the secure standards, including OpenVPN and SSTP. Bypass sensors and surveillance with your own secure VPN connection. Go to vpn.pagosity.tv.
A few years ago, a pair of bills, SOPA and PIPA, were defeated in Congress as a result of massive public outcry. These bills would have allowed court orders to bar people from doing business with websites that engage in copyright infringement, as well as requiring search engines and ISPs to block the website. It would also have allowed the government to shut down the entire domain, making the entire site unaccessible, even parts that are non-infringing. So what do you do if you're a federal judge and you've got your marching orders, but the law that would allow you to do it never passed? Well, just pretend it exists and do it anyway, of course. At least that's what U.S. District Judge Leonie Brinkema did in a case involving Sci-Hub. And we've talked about this before. Sci-Hub is a site dedicated to compiling the world's scientific knowledge in the form of scientific studies and other academic publications. And the thing is, we keep being told by scientists and science advocates that science is there for all of us and scientists really aren't in it for the money. They're increasing the knowledge of all mankind. Oh, let's be honest. We're totally in it for the money. <laughs> well, I mean, I'm sure most of them probably believe that sincerely, but enough of them don't that Sci-Hub has been attacked over and over again, even though it's attempting to do just that. Right now, I'm going into the academic world myself and... Yeah, most of them genuinely believe it, but the problem is they keep forgetting the profit motive, so they find themselves needing money anyways. People act the way they're incentivized. It's pretty much a hard and fast rule like gravity. Money makes science go around like everything else. And by the way, Sci-Hub is run by a woman who doesn't even live in the U.S., and she's never had her day in court with any of this. Who needs court? You could either uh, just shut down their site remotely or send a drone over to them. But, I mean, people need to think about it. I mean, what, what if, like, North Korea said, Hey, Ibrahim, we're going to put you on trial for copyright infringement, and the only way you can defend yourself is to go to North Korea? Does that sound like a really good idea to you? Well, let me translate that. Uh, I go to North Korea. They just throw me in a concentration camp. Yeah. And then I wind up like that one idiot from Cincinnati who uh, came back with, as a vegetable. Only here we call it Gitmo. Yeah. But, I mean, copywriting scientific findings is dumb just on the face of it. I mean, people didn't create that. The universe did. But this is just getting weird. As soon as Sci-Hub lost their case against publishing company Elsevier, the American Chemical Society jumped right in with a copycat lawsuit. The magistrate judge in this lawsuit amazingly actually issued an injunction against people who weren't even parties to the lawsuit, demanding that they block all access to Sci-Hub, including ISPs, search engines, domain registrars, on and on and on. And about a week ago, Judge Brinkema upheld the order. So basically, they get to pull a really serious train against them. Yeah. Wow. And even more bewildering, Brinkema blocked an amicus curiae brief from the Computer and Communications Industry Association, which explained why all of this is a terrible idea. The quick summary is that binding a non-party requires active concert or participation. The DMCA is actually designed to protect them from this by saying they only lose safe harbor if they fail to comply with a specific takedown notice, and that would still apply even if they were culpable defendants. There's nothing resembling fair notice being given to every single entity that would have to comply with the order, and privity only applies to alter egos of defendants. And they made all of these great points. I'm linking to it, but Brinkema said, nah, we're not even going to admit that. Judge Brinkema ordered, quote, 
Any person or entity in active concert or participation with Defendant Sci-Hub and with notice of the injunction, including any internet search engines, web hosting and internet service providers, domain name registrars and domain name registries, cease facilitating access to any or all domain names and websites through which Defendant Sci-Hub engages in unlawful access to use, reproduction and distribution of the ACS marks or ACS's copyrighted works and it is further ordered that the domain name registries and or registrars for defendants Sci-Hub domain names and websites or their technical administrators shall place the domain names on registry hold slash server hold or other status to render the name slash sites non-resolving. That, that, that's like a milder form of the uh, ancient Chinese punishment of people to the third degree. So you not only punish the person who did it, you punish their parents, their children, their siblings, their uncles, and their grandparents. And in this case, it would affect Cloudflare. That's the content delivery network that SciHub uses. So it'll be interesting to see how they respond to this. So, so it's at least second degree in this case. So they're killing the father as well. But at any rate, SOPA and PIPA would have to have been passed for the judge to be able to do this. And they weren't. And even if they were, it's pretty clear that at least large portions of those bills wouldn't have stood up to First Amendment challenges. But when a judge can just act unilaterally, not just upholding the law, but upholding a law that doesn't even exist, you have to wonder what protections we have left in this country. Yeah, I, th I thought the whole point behind checks and balances is that people don't run around doing shit like this. Yeah, judges are politicians in robes, I keep saying it. Yeah, sadly. Yeah, and I just have to get this in. If they can do this now... Imagine what they can do once so-called net neutrality gets passed. I hope it never passes, but I'm not very optimistic right now. We live in a world where light bulbs connect to the internet, and recent attacks on them prove that your online security is under threat like never before. Not only your websites, but the internet-enabled devices you buy. And the biggest problem is weak passwords. That's why you need LastPass. LastPass allows you to randomly generate strong, unique passwords on the web and on your internet-enabled devices, all protected by one master password. LastPass sets up in minutes and gives you secure automatic logins throughout the web, synchronizing across all your browsers, all your computers, and even your mobile devices, at home, at work, or on the road. It even securely stores sensitive form data, including credit card numbers, backup sensitive documents, software licenses, Wi-Fi logins, and more. And with LastPass Premium, you can get these benefits on other applications, manage passwords for your entire family, and also get priority customer support. Sign up at password.bogosity.tv for a free month of LastPass Premium. Log in securely everywhere using the last password you'll ever have to remember. Go to password.bogosity.tv and get LastPass now. And now it's time to re-entangle this week's biggest bogan emitter. And once again, it goes to Diane Feinstein, this time attempting, without going through due process, to get a number of private documents in a continued attempt to blame Russia for Hillary Clinton's loss. I, I mean, I wouldn't at all put it past the Russians to work to undermine Hillary Clinton, but doing it on behalf of Donald Trump and working with WikiLeaks are two things I really don't see them doing. I think they just want to undermine all of our elections, not just for one side or the other. I have to be honest, in terms of geopolitical aims, I can't really blame them. 
that assumes, of course, that they are actually doing it. You know, the evidence is a little flimsy right now. Yeah, well, we've covered cases where it has been confirmed, like when they were trying to see if they get hacked voting machines, and they only had, like, very limited success doing that. So, so they basically went and tried to see if it was possible, but they didn't actually attempt uh, interference with the election on that basis. Well, they attempted, they just didn't get very far. Ah, okay. But this time, she's told Twitter to hand over a bunch of documents related to ad campaigns, bot accounts, communication with Russia, and entities connected to Russia, and even private messages of a bunch of accounts associated with WikiLeaks, Julian Assange, and Guccifer 2, including, quote, documents sufficient to identify the sender, receiver, date, and time each message was sent. Apparently, privacy and Fourth Amendment rights don't mean anything. Well, the way this is supposed to work is law enforcement officials get a subpoena from a court and then they give it to the company, in this case Twitter. Not only does Feinstein not have any kind of court order, she's not even a law enforcement officer. The law means nothing nowadays. It's, it's the current year. We can just drone people and sue them remotely. Why bother with do things like substantive due process and... Uh uh, yeah. the rule of law, right? Well, and not only does Twitter have no reason to comply with any of this, it might be against the law for them to do so. The Stored Communications Act specifically forbids service providers from giving out information without a warrant. So, so wait, they have a, they have a Stored Order Act, and they're trying to pass an act that forces people to give their information. Isn't that kind of contradictory? Yeah, I, I don't even think she's trying to pass an act. I think she's just trying to do it without going through anything resembling due process. I think she was inspired by that judge who uh, unilaterally screwed over the uh, Sci-Hub's website. Yeah. Well, listen to her justification, quote, While I recognize that this type of information is not routinely shared with Congress, we have sought to limit the request to communications only with those entities identified as responsible for distribution of material that was unlawfully obtained through Russian cyber attacks on U.S. computer systems. So, they're guilty because she says they're guilty. Even though, as we've covered, there's no real reason to believe the Russians were involved in the DNC email leaks. But the fact is, she'd still need a court order to do that. You know what this reminds me of? It's going to be a bit off the wall, but it's pretty accurate, I think. It reminds me of the ancient aliens' approach to uh, doing science. You come up with your uh, theory and then look for evidence to support the theory rather than uh, find data, then come up with a theory based on the data. So, so basically, she's already come up with an a priori conclusion, in this case, that they're guilty. And she just wants evidence to support that they're guilty. And she doesn't care that there may be evidence that they're not guilty or that there may be something right. called the rule of law and due process uh, in the middle. Well, it's like people say, if you're that determined to find something, you will, even if it doesn't exist. Yep, pretty much. I think that that's basically how Alex Jones works. But it's like she wants to pretend that she's part of some official law enforcement investigation, and she's just not. In fact, she can't be. Senators do not have that role. They're legislative, not executive. Yeah, but I don't think they care. <laughs> I think they stopped caring ages ago. Because power corrupts. And those aren't the only accounts she wants. There's another list in Exhibit A that hasn't even been made public. Goody. Yeah, so Feinstein is illegally using color of law and her position as a senator and ranking member of the Senate Judiciary Committee to bypass both the judicial and the executive branches and completely violate the Fourth Amendment. In fact, since senators don't have this authority, this may even be considered impersonating a law enforcement officer. 
Oh, an impeachable offense. Cool. Well, the thing is, all the, the, the fact that she's going through all these steps, the real reason is, uh, should be pretty obvious. I mean, she's butthurt that Clinton lost, and now she wants to get around, she wants to basically stick it to Donald Trump and to anybody who supports him by doing all this stuff unilaterally and pushing it against them uh, and against what they want. So, uh, it's, and really, to, let's not kid ourselves, if the, if Hillary Clinton lost, I bet, or if Hillary Clinton won, I suspect that the Republicans would be doing the same thing, because at this point, uh, just like George Washington warned us against, political party allegiance has kind of overruled any uh, consideration about the rule of law, about uh, proper government, about any sort of uh, thing like that. Instead, it's like the constant tussle in late Republican Rome between the optimates and the uh, populares, where each side was trying to undermine the other, and it wound up resulting in civil war. So all of that yet again makes Diane Feinstein this week's biggest bogonimeter. If you're going to shop online, use our special links to shop at Amazon. Clear your cookies and go to Amazon.Bogosity.tv, and you won't pay a penny more for your purchase. If you haven't used the mobile app in the last 12 months, or even at all, go to get5.bogosity.tv on your phone or tablet and get $5 off your order of $10 or more. Go to prime.bogosity.tv for a free 30-day trial of Amazon Prime and enjoy thousands of movies and TV episodes, borrow Kindle books, and get unlimited two-day shipping for free. And speaking of Kindle, go to kindle.bogosity.tv for a 30-day free trial to Kindle Unlimited, read over one million books, and listen to thousands of audiobooks on any device. You can go to music.bogosity.tv and get a free 30-day trial of Amazon Music Unlimited with access to Amazon's entire library of 10 million songs, ad-free and with unlimited skips, and even download to listen offline. All great ways to help this podcast simply by shopping at Amazon. And now let's reroute this week's Idiot Extraordinary! And this week it goes to Russia, just in case any of you thought we were on their side. But no, as we've said before, Russia is way worse than the U.S. has ever been, and the internet censorship they're wanting to do now is as tyrannical as it is moronic. Well, in the United States, we watch the internet. In Russia, internet watches you. <laughs> Russia forces all internet traffic through government-controlled proxies, which give them ultimate power of surveillance and censorship unless you use a VPN or proxy server of your own or the Tor network, because then the only thing you're sending out is encrypted packets, which they can't get into. Now, Russia hasn't banned these services, but it is making it illegal to go to a banned website using these tools and is requiring the providers to comply with requests to block Russian users from blacklisted websites. So, so it's like the DMCA. You don't actually ban a certain activity. You just ban the means of doing the activity. And as you've probably guessed, their system is incredibly idiotic. Case in point, search results on Google.ru contained a redirect to a blacklisted gambling site, and so all of Google was blocked for several hours. That's a bit extreme. What if some student has homework the next day and he has to uh, look up something and it's been blocked right at that moment because some gambling site pissed off Putin? But, I mean, how do they even expect it to work? I mean, if you're going to connect... To a VPN server, you're going to connect to one outside of Russia, and as long as the company itself isn't located in Russia, 
How would they have jurisdiction to do anything? Well, I, th- I think they're trying to imitate the United States now. You know, try to shut down sites remotely and stuff. Yeah. It's the latest fashion. Yeah, just more lame attempts at censoring the internet, which just won't work. Pretty much. Which is why Russia has been named this week's... Idiot Well, that wraps up this Good Morning, That's a Nice Tenetinba edition of the Bogosity Podcast. Come join the discussion at forum.bogosity.tv and feel free to send a question, statement, news article, or rant in text or audio to podcast at bogosity.tv. This podcast depends on you to keep going, so please donate using the links on the website or the QR codes in the thumbnail or become a patron at patreon.bogosity.tv and get the podcast and YouTube videos early and without ads or promos. Thank you for listening, and thanks to Ibrahim Zaloom for joining me. Anytime. Until next time, here's a quote from Virginia Postrel. There's a popular saying that the Internet interprets censorship as damage and routes around it. Desire and innovation will trump policy, the argument goes, as clever programmers circumvent controls. The Bogosity Podcast is licensed under Creative Commons Attribution on Commercial No Derivatives 4.0 International License. Christmas time is coming, and the most classic of Christmas stories is A Christmas Carol. But how much do you know about the original Charles Dickens novella? Have you dismissed it as a children's book with one-dimensional characters amounting to nothing but platitudes and clichés? Maybe your appreciation of the book was even muted by those dry, boring, annotated books they made you read in school. My book, the sarcastically annotated A Christmas Carol by Charles Dickens, uses both facts and humor to present the book in a way you probably haven't seen it before. Giving praise when deserved and beratement when warranted, this book is put in the perspective of its time and shows a dimensional, multi-layered Ebenezer Scrooge from start to finish. Skepticism, history, and even economics are employed to show the book in relation to today in an easily accessible format. Appreciate the Christmas of your youth all over again. Get the sarcastically annotated A Christmas Carol by Charles Dickens, available at Amazon and on PDF as well.